Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. Thanks for joining us as we kick off 2023 with a message about the importance of being in God's Word. We're praying for you as you begin this new year. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year to you. Uh, We're going to continue a tradition this morning that we uh, started many years ago. We haven't done it every single year, but I'm excited to do it again, which is just a reminder of how important the Bible is in our lives. Uh, One of my favorite all-time commercials happened at the Super Bowl, and it was done by FedEx. It was uh, based on a movie called Castaway. Any of you see Castaway with Tom Hanks in it? Pretty incredible movie, but basically it's the story of a FedEx delivery guy who crashes a plane in the ocean, but he ends up on a desert island by himself, and some of the packages survive on the island as well, and uh, he's there learning how to survive, and there's this one package, I'm not going to get into the detail, but there's one package he decides not to open. It's kind of a symbol of hope for him that maybe one day he'll be able to go and deliver this package to this person. At the end of the movie, he does. But FedEx does a spoof on this where he goes and delivers this package and he asks the lady, what's inside of the package? And she tells him, well, I've got some seeds in there for food. I have a satellite phone. I've got water filters. And you just see the look on this guy's face in the commercial, like, oh my goodness, you know, I survived without all those things. And that commercial kind of reminds me of what I want to talk to you about this morning when it comes to the Bible. You see, like that package, we have this incredible book, I would call it God's love letter to us, that has everything we need in it in order to grow and to thrive as his followers, and yet many people today don't even open it. But if you're following on your notes with me this morning, opening God's word is essential for following God's way. If you've been a part of Cherry Hills for any length of time, our vision here, we try to mention it as often as possible so you get sick of it, uh, basically says this, to see people of every generation giving themselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. And I'm just saying here, you can't give yourself fully to the way of Jesus or his mission without being in his word. And so what I want to do today in a kind of a shorter message, I just want to get right to the heart of it. Why is the Bible so important for us? And then I'm going to get a little bit practical about how you can get the most out of the Bible in 2023. To do that, I'd invite you to turn your Bible right now to Ezekiel chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Nobody gets candy for getting this one right, unfortunately. If you don't have a Bible, we say it every week. We have some hard copies available in the seat underneath you there. You can find this story on page 676. We're looking at one of the coolest passages of Scripture, especially when it comes to understand how we can really view God's Word in our lives. And just to set a little bit of context, this is when Ezekiel, the prophet, is being called by God to be a prophet. And we're given this incredible picture of this moment that I think clearly shows us how we can view God's word in our lives today. So let's pick it up in verse 9 of chapter 2, which says, Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, Eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Now would you read verse 3 out loud on your notes with me there. It says, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. 
So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Now, there's a cool story about this passage that at about the age of six, when kids would go to school for the first time, they would show up at school and their rabbis, their teachers would hand them a slate. They didn't have Chromebooks back then, you understand. So they would do their work on the Torah or the Bible on a little slate. And then the rabbi would then cover that slate with honey. So you'd have slate on your hands as a six-year-old kid with all this honey dripping over it. And the, 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 the rabbi would now say, I want you to take and eat that honey. Now, honey in this ancient world, in the Jewish world, was a symbol of favor. It was a symbol of luxury. It was a rare, pleasurable, enjoyable thing. It was an incredible delicacy. So for the rabbi to say, lick the honey would have been an incredible opportunity and experience for these kids. And then as they're doing it, he would say this sort of benediction over them. He would say, may you never forget that the words of God are like honey. They are like the most enjoyable, pleasurable thing you could ever have. Taste and see that God is good. And then they'd say, may you be like Ezekiel, who tasted the scroll, and it tasted as sweet as honey. This is why the writer of Psalm 119, 103, you kids downstairs, you know this verse well, writes these words, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my lips. So what a great idea, right? To link the Bible, to link scripture to the most pleasurable, joyful thing that these kids could imagine, this idea of honey. If you're following then on your notes, the Bible was seen as luxury, as a luxury that was to be enjoyed. I love that. I love that they taught their kids that this was a luxury, a desirable thing for them to learn and to study. Is that how we view God's word today? As a luxury to us. The Bible is what set the Jewish people apart from any other culture. It is what made them who they were. To help their children learn what was contained in the Bible was every Jewish parent's greatest responsibility. To grow up to be able to teach the Bible was the aspiration of every young child to become a rabbi. That was their greatest ambition. So we fast forward about 700 years. The people of of Israel loved the Bible. They memorized the Bible. They studied the Bible. And we come across a young boy who is born named Jesus. I think we just celebrated that birth. And the first time we see him, I love this, he's this 12-year-old boy, and we find him in the temple arguing with rabbis about what? The Bible. And they're amazed at his knowledge about the Bible, even as a 12-year-old boy. Next, he is led into the wilderness as a young man to be tempted by Satan. And three times the way Jesus fights off these temptations is by what? Quoting the Bible. The Bible was core to who he was. And then the next time we see him, he's beginning his ministry and he shows up in a synagogue. He takes a scroll. He reads it and says, what's written here is now fulfilled in me. People didn't like that, but essentially what Jesus is saying is that everything this book has been written about finds its fulfillment in me. And then he dies and he goes to heaven. And the first thing we're told about this little community that Jesus formed that eventually changed the world, we're here today because of them. We're told that one of the things they do is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What that means is they had the Old Testament. 
just like we do today. And then they also had Jesus' comments and words and life. And so they began writing all of these things down. So eventually, we got what we have today, what you have sitting in your lap right now, the Old and the New Testament, which forms our, our Bible. And this community, like the Israelites, devoted themselves to the Bible. They devoted themselves to learning it and studying it, and most importantly, living it out. And God used it to change them and to change the world. And now it's our day. And it's a strange thing. The Bible has never been more accessible to us than in human history. Every year, over 65 million copies of the Bible are bought in the United States. There's not even a close second book on that list. The average household owns three Bibles. I'm embarrassed to tell you, I just checked in my office this week. I have 25 Bibles on my shelf for different reasons. It's strange, though. A lot of people buy the Bible, give the Bible, own the Bible, But what we're discovering more and more, sadly, is that very few people are actually reading the Bible. George Gallup did a poll in our country a while back about the Bible. He found that two-thirds of those in our country could not name who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Fewer than half of all Americans can name the first book in the Bible. 80% of born-again Christians, like we're not talking about the general public here, believe the phrase, God helps those who helps themselves, is in the Bible. You know who said that? Ben Franklin. This was the saddest one to me. 12% of people surveyed thought Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. (laughs) A poll done just this year, just this year showed that 20% of Americans, that's it, believe that the Bible is God's word to us. And I was just reading last night, no joke, I'm reading Christianity today as we're watching football and I come across this little side thing that says only 39% of adults now open the Bible three times a year minimum in our country. That was an 11% drop from just one year ago. If you're falling on your notes, instead of being a joy today, the Bible is being ignored. What was once considered to be the life of the community, something as sweet as honey that was to be enjoyed, is now often left gathering dust on our shelves. And my question for us today is what happened? How did we move away from being part of this community going all the way back to the Israelites who devoted themselves to the scriptures to now where we're ignoring the basic truths of the Bible? We don't even know it. If this is really God's word, which if you're curious, we believe that it is here at this church. It's why it's one of our five core values as a church. We are a Bible-based church. If this is really his word, if it's really his truth for us, if it really could be as sweet as honey to our souls, that it can help us live out our faith, why aren't we reading it? Like the FedEx commercial, why aren't we taking advantage of this incredible resource? And there's only really one answer to that. If you break it down is we really don't believe we need it. I just don't need it. I can survive just fine on my own. I can live the way of Jesus without his words, but Jesus would say, "Ah, no, you can't. In fact, read what Jesus said about the Bible in Matthew 4, 4 with me out loud there. It says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
I don't need to interpret that, right? That's pretty straightforward. If you're falling on your notes, Jesus says that we cannot live his way without feeding on his word. The Israelites understood that. Jesus understood that. The early church understood that. And my hope, my encouragement to us, Cherry Hills family, is that we too would understand that and give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission by being in his word. Next week, you may have saw it seen on the screen, we're starting a new series called Fully. It's really about what it means to give our whole lives to Jesus. We're going to dig into that. It's a really important series. We hope you can join us for that. But really, we're kind of starting it this week. You can't give yourself fully to Jesus unless you know Jesus well. And the way to know Jesus is to be in his word. Now, as an exercise, I just want you to think of this. What if I asked you to not eat for the next seven days and then run a marathon at the end of that? What would you say? No way. You'd be way too weak to be able to run that marathon. And yet, how many of us go into this world, fight against Satan, and think, I don't need to feed on God's word in order to run the race that he has set before me? If Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it to live out the way of Christ? If you're following on your notes, if we're not in the word, we'll be malnourished spiritually. That's what Jesus says. His word is indispensable in our forming, in our transformation. Friends, if you've ever studied the armor of God before, what is the one weapon we have to face Satan and the the temptations of this world? Everything else is defense, but we're told that the Bible is the sword that we have in order to fight and become more and more transformed in the way of Jesus. Paul writes about this in his famous couple verses on the Bible in 2 Timothy 3.16. He writes, all scripture is God-breathed. This is essentially what it means when we say, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. 20% of people now in our country believe that. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is the purpose of reading the Bible? Why read the Bible? Why challenge us uh, to read the Bible? Why encourage us to read the Bible? What does it say there? So that you can get 100% on heaven's entrance exam? No, it's so you can be equipped. So we can be equipped to live out the life that God has called us to do. To put it another way, if you're following, the Bible is what transforms us into mature disciples. It's this FedEx package. It's got everything we need in it to transform us and to mature us to live the way of Jesus, which is what we want to be all about here at Cherry Hills. No other book makes that claim. No other book claims it can help you grow into a healthy, vital, holy, strong, life-giving person in the world around you today. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't going to happen overnight. You're not going to pick up the Bible one day and go, okay, here we go. Oh, I'm transformed just like that. It takes time. Just like growing physically takes years of healthy eating and exercise, so does growing spiritually. But the promise he makes to us is that you continue to dig and eat the word of God in your life. You will continue to grow stronger and stronger in your faith. In fact, I love God uses all kinds of food metaphors when it comes to his word. 
We've talked about honey. Uh, we've talked about bread with Jesus. Another one he uses is milk and meat. The Bible is like milk and meat for us. In fact, in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, Peter writes these words. Can we read this out loud together? Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that it in your salvation. Excuse me. Now, most of you know that Luke and Mara just had their baby. His name is Henry. I got to meet him this week. He's adorable, right? Now, what is milk to Henry right now? It's life. It's everything. It's his nourishment. He needs it to survive, and his parents don't even need to teach him that he needs it. He lets them know. When he needs milk, he's going to let them know, I need milk. And isn't it great that God decided to communicate how we can grow in his word with that picture? God tells us, listen, if you're young in your faith, desire the milk of God's word like a baby. It's what you need to grow and mature. But here's the thing. None of us can survive on milk alone, right? As we grow older, we need more substantial nourishment. When I was 14 years old, I was five foot two. When I was 15 years old, I was six foot one. I grew 11 inches in one year, and my body is still paying the price for that. But listen, do you think milk would have been enough that year? My stomach was a never-ending pit. My parents could not keep it full. I needed nourishment to keep up with my growth. And the idea here, listen, is as you feed on the milk of God's word, what, what does that mean? I think it means things like the basics of the Christian faith, learning the Bible stories that we all know, right? Like what the kids are learning downstairs, like that's so important to set a foundation. But eventually, you've got to eat the meat of God's word. And what I think that means is you've got to learn to study the Bible for yourself. If you're following, as we grow in our faith, we need the meat of God's word. I like how the author of Hebrews put it. I have this, these verses on your notes there. Again, and invite you to join me in reading this out loud. Would you do that? It says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Listen, in other words, as we mature and grow wiser in God's word, you're going to come to a place where you're like, I need more. I need more. I need to go deeper. I'm hungry. I'm growing right now. And I've got to feed myself on the meat of God's word. It's not enough for me just to know some basic Bible stories, some basic truths about Christianity. It's definitely not enough for us to come to church once a week and think that's going to be enough to help us grow. If we want to really grow in the way of Jesus, we have to be able to learn to feed on the meat of God's word ourselves. I'll just say, the first time I read through the Bible, I was a sophomore in high school, and it was confusing. It was hard to understand. I mean, I got some basic things out of it, but I committed, listen, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep being in God's word, and I can just say to you, as you learn to do that, I love how the author of Hebrews wrote, right? Constant use. As you learn to constantly use the Bible, you will continue to grow up. You will be mature. You will be able to learn what it is, as, as Paul wrote, right? To live in righteousness. If you're following on your notes, if you get nothing else this morning, I hope you just get this. What food is to us physically, 
The Bible is to us spiritually. At Cherry Hills, we want to be known as people who enjoy the word of God. It is one of our five core values, as I said. And again, I'm just going to say to you, it's not enough for you to come on Sunday mornings. It's not enough. You need to learn how to feed yourself because you can't grow as a follower of Jesus without the word. So my question for you this morning, as we head into the last section here, is will I choose a healthy meal plan to help me grow in 2023? In my experience, the single number one reason people don't benefit from the word of God, besides believing they don't need it, is they don't know how. I don't know how, right? I know too many of us who just don't know how to read the Bible. So we decided on January 1st, yep, I'm doing it this year. I'm going to pick it up in Genesis and March. I come to February, I come to Leviticus, and I'm like, what? No, thanks. I, I don't understand what's happening here. Or we're like, oh, I really like Revelation. I've heard a lot of cool stuff about that book. So you start in Revelation. Don't start in Revelation, right? Because pretty soon it's over your head. So let me just get practical with the remaining time this morning. I'm going to offer seven meal plans for you to consider this next year. And here's what else I want to do. I want to offer you a way to how to study the Bible. I want to offer you what I would just say are some best Bibles for you to consider using this year as well, depending where you are in your spiritual journey. And here's the key. I just want you, wherever you are in your life right now, to figure out where you are spiritually and decide which is going to be the best for you. In other words, if you have three kids under the age of five, don't choose the hardest Bible reading plan. Choose something that fits where you are in your life right now. And I just want to say to you, that's okay. That's okay. Our daughter is in college. Every year we have to reevaluate her meal plan, right? How much are we going to pay for this meal plan this year? How much does she need? How much does she want? Evaluate your life. Be honest about where you find yourself because this is the most important thing today. If you're following on your notes, the goal is not to get through the Bible, but to get the Bible through us so it can do its transforming work that it promises to do. In other words, I'm just freeing you. It's not a competition. It's not about how much you eat this year, but at least eat something. So turn over to the back of your notes. Let's get practical here. Like I said, I've got seven meal plans available for you. All of these are available on our website for you to print out as well. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to start big picture and then get more narrowed down. So the first plan you could possibly consider, we've offered a class on this before, is called the 90-day Bible reading plan. If you are a parent of three kids under five, ignore what I'm saying right now. You're reading 12 chapters of the Bible a day, but here's what that plan does for you. It gives you a great overview of the whole story. You're not going to be able to go very in-depth, but at least you're kind of seeing how the Bible story all fits together. After that, I've got three one-year kind of reading plans available for you. The first is what I would call the chronological reading plan. This is literally like... As far as scholars can understand how the Bible from earliest time to the latest time was written. And again, if you're newer in your faith, my, I would just suggest don't do this one. Because you're not going to be in the New Testament until September of next year. 
That's why I also have what's called the Old Testament, New Testament plan. Every day you read a part of the Old Testament, a part of the New Testament through a year. That's the one, if you're really wanting to challenge yourself this year, that I would recommend for you liturgical folks out there. I also included a morning reading and an evening reading that'll get you through the Bible throughout a year. But we can narrow down a little bit even more. There's a two-year reading plan. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm in the second year of this plan. I just like going a little bit slower. I know people who do a three-year plan, a five-year plan. I know somebody who's on a 10-year plan right now. Again, it doesn't matter how much you're reading. What matters is least you're reading and studying. Then we narrow down even more. There's six-month New Testament plan I have available for you. I mean, that's a, that's a great opportunity for you to read through the New Testament, maybe even twice a year, and you can still take weekends off. And then narrowing even more, how about just a psalm a day? Sweet as honey, To your taste, a psalm a day. Again, you can take weekends off if it feels too much for you to read the Bible every single day. So those are just a few plans. There's others out there. Like I said, if you don't have one yet, if you're not uh, already situated somewhere, we have those available on the website. I'm a person who loves checking things off. They all have little boxes that you get to check off when you finish them. It's so fun. Second thing I just want to talk about is how you can maybe study the Bible a little bit better. This isn't uh, anything new. We've shared this before, but you see under there the SOAP Bible reading plan. This is also encouraging you to learn how to journal the Bible. And it's pretty simple. Whatever plan you choose, let's say it's the Psalm a Day plan. You take whatever verse or verses is standing out to you from that morning. And if the Holy Spirit is engaged in your reading, something's going to stand out to you. You put a little S and then you write out that verse. Then you put an O. And you answer questions like, why is this the verse that God wants me to see this morning? Why is this highlighting? What might be happening in your life that's showing this to be important? Then you put a little A. Is there any application that God is asking me to make as a part of this reading this morning? And then there's my favorite part. Because we, one of the constant things Christians say is, I'm not a good enough prayer, right? I want to be a better prayer. You actually can learn how to pray the scriptures. You put a P and then you write out a prayer. I don't know what that might be for you, but it could simply be like this morning. I was in Isaiah 53 and my prayer was, Lord, I can't believe that you would offer yourself on a cross for me to have peace with God. That's it. I'm writing a prayer based on the scripture I read. And then last thing, just if you're confused with all the kinds of Bibles that are out there right now, there's so many English translations of the Bible. I'll just give you a real quick summary. You have on one end of a spectrum, the most literal kind of Bibles you can buy. On the other hand is what they call the most dynamic Bibles. In other words, it would be the most English-friendly Bibles that you can read. So if you're like, I really want to go literal, the New American Standard Bible is the most literal English translation we have to the original Greek and Hebrew. But I will say to you, it's a little bit clunky. It's not flowing like some of the other translations. In the middle, dynamic, readable, but also pure to the text are like things like what we have is the NIV and the ESV and the CSB. Those are all great versions of the Bible. And then at the other end, still Still true to the Greek text and the Hebrew text, but the most readable is what I would say is the New Living Translation. Have any of you read the New Living Translation? If you've never read the Bible, if you're like, this is the year, I'm going to do it, I would say start with the New Living Translation. 
It's a great translation that's so much easier to read in the English language. And then I'd also just encourage you to get a little commentary. And some of the best ones are the new, the life application Bibles. So listen, you're starting today. I don't know who you are. You're like, you know what? I want to eat God's word this year. I want to grow in my faith. Life application, New Living Translation Bible would be what I would recommend to you. There we go. Now, why spend time this morning just to talk about the Bible? It's because this is the book that can change your life. And I want to say there's no shortcut to transformation. This is one of the most essential practices that you need in order to grow. And my simple question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that you need God's word to grow? And the second question, if you do, is what are you going to do about it? Paul writes this in Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. What better way to renew our mind than giving ourselves to God's word every day? For all of us here this morning, my challenge is simply this, if you're following, am I going to consistently feast on God's word in 2023? It's the only way to grow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to meet on the first day of this year and remind ourselves of the incredible gift you've given us. You have not left us to guess about who you are and what your will is for our lives, but you have given us your word. And for this, we are grateful people. My prayer this morning is similar to those six-year-old kids who went to school for the first time, that this year we would not see your word as an obligation, but as a luxury, a delight, a pleasure. And as we commit ourselves this year to being in your word, would you do what you say it will do? Will you transform us more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus? And together, we all prayed and said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.